Welcome to the Omen Comics Podcast, where we talk about our experiences, influences, and tips on writing comics as the creators of the Omenverse. And as geeks, we often like to celebrate geek holidays, as well as talk about our favorite comics, television shows, and movies, too. I'm your host, Michael Nunley, and with me, as always, is my friend and co-worker, Steve Sellers. In keeping with the Star Wars Day celebration here, me and Steve are going to talk about uh, our experiences with uh, Star Wars, where it started, and our likes and our dislikes, uh, pretty much all around what we think of Star Wars. So uh, I thought we, me and Steve actually have a thing in common, and that is we have a, a unique experience with... Uh, as far as our, uh, our love of Star Wars, uh, evolving around the Return of the Jedi movie. So, uh, Steve, why don't you start and uh, tell us your experience with that movie? Yeah, I mean, I was always a fan uh, to a certain extent. Um, I remember seeing A New Hope like when I was really young, but I think that my foremost experience, or at least uh, my most formative experience, uh, was with uh, Return of the Jedi. Um, because that was a movie that I saw uh, with my dad when I was young. And um, it was one of those things where we kind of uh, would bond going to a movie every once in a while. Um, and one of the last movies that I remember seeing with him uh, was uh, Return of the Jedi. And, um, I, and and that was, at the time, like one of my favorite movies. Um, you know, basically uh, between uh, Luke uh, finally becoming a Jedi and, and, and the Jabba scenes, but also uh, all the space battles and, you know, the whole fight with Darth Vader and the Emperor at the end. And and it was one of those things that always had an impact on me. But it was kind of special, I think, to me particularly um, because this was a movie about uh, fathers and sons. And that was the last time that I saw um, well, it wasn't the last time I saw my father, but it was the last movie I saw with my father, and that uh, kind of stuck with me, uh, particularly. Um, I can definitely was, see that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and you know, and it's a movie, you know, about the son redeeming the father and that and the relationship that they had. So it's just one of those things where kind of like art um, kind of mirrors life in some respects. Right, right. Did I, I got to ask? Uh, the Sarlacc scene on on uh, Tatooine. Mm-hmm. Did your jaw not hit the floor when Boba Fett just kind of fell into the Sarlacc? <laughs> yeah, um, at the at, at the time it seemed like okay that that's a that's an exciting ending for him, um, but I don't know. I, I kind of feel like uh, nowadays, kind of looking at it, it looked a little goofy, um, and this is part of the reason why they keep bringing him back in like every different version. The the expanded universe brought him back. Um, and I uh, and I think he was also brought back later under Disney. So yeah, right. That that one that one really got me. Uh, I, I I wasn't expecting that. You know, after Boba Fett. You know, especially in particular with uh, uh, little boys at the time who were playing with the action figures. Oh yeah, I was one of those. Right, Bo- Boba Fett was this was the baddest guy in the entire Star Wars universe, as far as we were concerned. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean uh, they established that really well in the second movie, uh, particularly, and then the third one he just kind of leaps literally off a, <laughs> a sail barge into the <laughs> into the pit. Right, right. 
I did. Uh, I did appreciate them showing a bit about his beginnings uh, in the prequel tr- trilogy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, I, I I did like Django as well. I mean, I like and I like what they were trying to do with him and the clones. Uh, a lot of that stuff was explored well in Clone Wars as well. Right. My uh, my thing with Star Wars, I think. Weirdly enough, I think it was it was at least in part so exciting because I was poor. <laughs> um, I didn't get to go out uh, a whole lot, especially I didn't get to go downtown a whole lot. Mm-hmm. And uh, definitely, this was my first time going to the movie theater, mm. and so that was that was a pretty big deal. Um, and it was something I also did with my father. Um, Very nice. Yes, yes. So uh, it was a big spectacle for me. I mean, when I when I went there, um, I'd never seen so many uh, so many Star Wars fans in one place, and they were all in in costume and everything. It was 1983, so I'm going to say the costumes were a little less awesome than they are now. <laughs> well, but, yeah, and cosplay culture, I don't think it had uh, taken off quite as much back then. Right, right. But I mean, it was really cool seeing everybody, everybody at the very least, at the bare minimum, had a Star Wars t-shirt on. And they're all talking and and screaming and shouting while they're standing in line. Even the people who were at the back of the line, which, by the way, had gone all the way around the block and met the front of the line. Mm. Yeah, Yeah, that was it. I hadn't seen anything like that at the time. At least I don't remember that. It's really kind of like when you start looking at the prequels that you start seeing these huge, ridiculous lines to get into the theater. But, I mean, I, I know that I've seen, like, uh, footage of of 1977 theaters when New Hope was playing and it being crazy, too. So, I don't know. Maybe it was always like that. Right? I, I, I don't know. That was, that was nuts. Uh, I'd been to, like, concerts and stuff before. But somehow that seemed like more people than I'd ever seen. <laughs> Star Wars uh, made, you know, a massive fandom. I mean, even back then, it's just amazing. So I, I go in there and I, I watch the movie and I'm just blown away the whole time. You know, I'm just sitting there with my jaw open. I had seen like A New Hope. And I I may or may not have seen Empire yet. I don't remember if it was on television. We usually had to wait until it came on TV to see it. But um, uh, my jaw was just open the the whole time. Uh, I I love the whole thing. Uh, In fact, I learned that day that the best way to see a Star Wars film, if you're going to see one, you want to see it in the theater. And the theater has to be packed full of fans. Absolutely. So, uh, speaking of Return of the Jedi, I got to ask you a question, Steve. Mm. Um, how do you feel about the Ewoks? I am not their biggest fan. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I, and, you know, it's like I know what they were trying to do. They were trying to show the little guy uh, standing up to the big bad empire and, and winning. Um, but I kind of felt like it would have been more credible if they, instead of being little teddy bears, were six uh, foot e- uh or eight foot Wookiees with bowcasters, uh, <laughs> you know that would have been that that would have been a little bit better for me. I don't know. It just I, I know a lot of people like love the Ewoks and and, and all of that, but it's just they, they never resonated to me personally. I was one of those kids that never really cared for them. 
Ah, uh, I think uh, I was uh, I was seven at the time, and while they didn't remind me of my teddy bears, uh, I didn't have any teddy bears. <laughs> yeah, um, but uh, they were kind of my way into the film. Uh, I say the same thing about uh, Wesley on Star Trek. Mm. Uh, how having having some a, a, a youthful element in it, uh, even though you know the Ewoks were not were, not, were clearly not children, uh, they they kind of acted like it in in my childhood mind. And I will so, say that, I will say this for George Lucas, uh, he really understood how to bring kids into the movies. Um, even though you look at it with adult eyes, or some people look at it with adult eyes and just think that some of the stuff is ridiculous, it hits uh, the people that it was meant to hit, and it sounds like it worked for you that way. It did. It did. It was. It was my way to picture myself in it. But uh, I, I will agree that uh, Wookies would have been uh, a bit more badass. Yeah. <laughs> so, while we're talking about the original trilogy, um, I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, A New Hope specifically, and uh, how you basic how Disney made it so you basically have to watch Rogue One before you watch A New Hope now. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Um, I will say I love Rogue One. Um, you know, it, it's a war movie in space, and and it's really nice uh, uh, that they were able to like pull that off without making it like too much of a war movie, uh, if the, and losing like the audience that it's made for. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I I still love A New Hope. Uh, just even just taking on its own. Um, I, I, there are some issues, there are dialogue that is a bit clunky. I mean, there are uh, definite moments where, where they could have been improved. Uh, some of it was with the, uh, special editions, but, um, you know, it, it's one of those movies that always holds up, uh, you know, over the course of time. I just feel like, you know, Han should have shot first. <laughs> right. <laughs> that, that was a big one. That was a big one. Uh, I, there, People have been wearing those T-shirts Han shot first for a lot of years now. <laughs> it's an establishing character moment. I mean, you, you know, it shows how badass he is. Uh, he It shows that, you know, he's kind of willing to, to completely break the rules, um, you know, if it gets him what he needs to do. Um, and But then at the same time, after he after does that, you also get the establishing moment of him paying the barkeep for the damages, uh, which right. I, I just... Yeah, which also shows, like, yeah, he's, you know, he's a criminal, he's a ruthless killer when he has to be, you know, but he also cares about people uh, underneath all that. And you got all of that in one scene, and then uh, apparently George got it into his head uh, that uh, he didn't want to do that. So, I, I don't know. I, I agree. It gave, him, it gave it a um, particularly paying at the end for the mess. Mm -hmm. um, I, I guess... To me, that that showed a certain sense of responsibility about him. Yeah. Like he wasn't he he was willing to do those things, but he was also willing to uh, acknowledge what he's done and and you know try to try to compensate for it in some fashion. Yeah, I mean, the thief with the heart of gold. I mean, it's the it's the whole idea that he has the sense of honor underneath the mercenary exterior, and his arc um, over the next three films. I mean, is about you know, him kind of awakening to that conscience that he has. Right. Right. A little bit of a reluctant hero there to start off. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, in contrast to Luke, who is just jumping out into danger and you know wants to to, to fight the Empire tooth and nail. So yeah, it's it's, it's, right? it's a, it's it, a great foil. it is a total contrast, like you're talking about there. Luke mm-hmm. Luke is totally dying to be the next hero, <laughs> and Han is reluctant about it altogether. Yeah, I mean, it, he's just kind of in it for the money, but you can kind of tell that a lot of it is because he's been wounded on some level, uh, even though we don't know exactly what that is in these movies. So you pointed out you pointed out uh, before when we were talking that there are some uh, things about uh, Return of the Jedi that uh, you thought were were flaws in the movie. Well, um, mostly I think it's really great. I mean, I love the the whole Jabba Sarlacc pit stuff. I love um, the space battles. I love the confrontation with the Emperor. Um, I, I really think it's just mainly, I just feel like the Ewoks and the way that they were executed was the one blemish on the movie. Um, but in terms of what it was trying to do thematically, um, especially with the relationships uh, between Luke and, and Vader and Luke trying to bring him back to the light peacefully, um, and that leading to Vader's redemption. Um, I thought that that was great. It was a very satisfying ending in that respect. Um, you know, it's a trap. Um, I would, And also, I would have liked for Lando to have a little bit more of a role. It seemed like he was just kind of there to do the space battle scenes, and um, he doesn't do a whole lot. But, I mean, it, a lot of these are really quibbles. I mean, it's still a really good movie for all that. Well, speaking of, speaking of him... Uh... Lando uh, really made a, a big impression in Empire Strikes Back. Yes. Uh, I think that's why it was such a disappointment to see it. He was like, in Empire Strikes Back, Lando was cool. He had, he had, his, he had his, uh, his stroll going, you know what I'm saying? And then in Return of the Jedi, um, it, it almost went like... He did. He did uh, some 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 good stuff to help in the battles, but it was almost like um, half the time he was being used as a, a comedy point. Yeah, they they didn't know what to do with him. He was so cool in the second movie. Uh, um, you know, he went full on Colt forty five, and, and and you know we see him as a charmer. We see that he has an edge to him. He's willing to work with the Empire, um, even though there's a part of him that really doesn't want to. Uh, he certainly doesn't want to betray his friend, um, but he's kind of in a hard, between a rock and a hard place having to make that choice. And we don't really see him in uh, Return of the Jedi doing anything similar. He, he He's just, you know, kind of along for the ride. And like the most that we get is, OK, I hope that the Millennium Falcon doesn't get dinged while we're trying to take on the Death Star. Um, and that's that's really about it. And it's just that that's the one uh, disappointment because Lando really is a great character. He is. He is. Um, I speaking of Empire Strikes Back, um, and this will kind of segue into what I'd like to talk about next. Um, watching those episodes with uh, Yoda in the last couple of seasons, there, mm-hmm. uh, specifically Voices, Destiny, and Sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Um, it really went. It it added a whole new flavor. Uh, to Yoda's experience on Dagobah, why he was at Dagobah, and how Luke had that experience when he went into the cave and saw his father and the Darth Vader, mm-hmm. saw himself in the Darth Vader mask, and uh, all of that. It, it, I, I really appreciated it how it how it 
uh, it layered that for me. It explained why, because you got to wonder, I've always wondered until I saw those episodes, why the hell was Yoda hanging out in a swamp? I get that he's trying to hide, but I mean, damn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I will say that the Clone Wars did a really good job, like setting up the whole business with Force Ghosts and, you know, uh, resolving things with Qui Gon and like connecting uh, with the end of Revenge of the Sith, where, you know, Yoda had only recently come back from that. Uh, so, yeah, it, 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 there was some nice connective tissue, I think, um, you know, with the Clone Wars uh, and the prequels and the and the OT. Yes, uh, I, I, I really enjoyed the, the Clone Wars and, and the prequels. I granted the prequel trilogy, uh, aside from Revenge of the Sith, took a little while to grow on me. Yeah, same here. Um, yeah. I don't know. I, I kind of went back and forth a little bit on uh, Van and Menace. It's like, uh, I, I don't know. I seem to have a blind spot when it comes to Star Wars movies where I just completely get into the spirit of Star Wars and then I don't think critically enough. Um, and I think that happened uh, with uh, the Phantom Menace. I actually saw it a couple of times and then I uh, started thinking about it and I'm like, wow, that doesn't make sense and that doesn't make sense. Um, but at the same time, at the same time, I, 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 there are things about it that you'll always love, um, you know, particularly Duel of the Fates and the uh, the final battle and the pod races. Right, right. It, it it definitely it does it does grow on you. That's that 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 I, I think you can establish that as a fact. Even if you yep. didn't like it the first time, maybe even the second time we saw it, it does eventually become endeared to you. Yeah. And, and I will say, like, uh, I don't, I don't know how much of it is like uh, the sequels, and how much of it is just time being friendly uh, to these movies. Um, but I'm actually more okay with them now than I was uh, for a long time. So yeah, the, these are these are movies that I think um, have helped with age, which um, is kind of nice. Right. You know, uh, something that the prequel trilogy and the Clone Wars have in common is they both explored the Force a little more. Yeah, uh, the, the world building was excellent on, on every level. Um, not just the Force, although I, I kind of tend to prefer the more mystical approach to it, but also with like uh, the settings and, um, you know, all the different characters that they had in the background and, you know, what the uh, Old Republic was truly like uh, before the Empire. And, and all of that was really interesting to see. Right. I particularly liked that they uh, expanded all the different... Uh... I mean, like you got to see more of the universe, more of the worlds, more of the different types of people. And I mean, I, honestly, I'm really glad to have seen the whole bit with Mandalore. Mm -hmm. All their, all their stroke. It, it, it made the Mandalorians uh, uh, so much cooler than they even were before, because you got to know so much of their history and that. Oh yeah, I, and I particularly like them in, in the Clone Wars. I know a lot of it, it, it tends to be a little bit controversial among Star, uh, Star Wars fans, but you know, I, I literally like the idea of Death Watch and, and and their history and how they were trying to be a bit more peaceful after you know being um, you know after at one point like in the expanded universe, for example, they were uh, they actually started a huge war and tried to take over the Republic. And to see what they became since then, um, I thought was like a really interesting uh, development for them. You know what I didn't, I was hoping to get explained when I finished the the Clone Wars, mm -hmm. uh, was how uh, the, I don't know what he was, like a general, 
mm-hmm. that had the dark saber in the Mandalorian. Uh, Moff Gideon is who you're thinking of. Yes. Yeah, so how did how did he end up with that dark saber? Um, I don't remember if it was explained or not. Um, you know, maybe it was in the Mandalorian, and I just missed it. Uh, but uh, I know that the last that I had seen of the dark saber was in Rebels, uh, where. Uh, Sabine Wren was the one that that had the man the the dark saber, and I think she gave it up uh, towards the end of the series. And uh, apparently, there was a gap between then and the Mandalorian, and then Moff Gideon somehow found it. Huh? Because I got I gotta say, what do you know what what the differences are between between like why? Uh, I, to my knowledge, it is the. Uh, like for instance, it is the the energy that the Sith use uh, to uh, that affects the color of their crystals. Um, it could be. Uh, there are a lot of different kinds of crystals, though, and they, there's a world where they normally harvest them. Um, I think the Jedi uh, had had control over that world for a long time, and the Sith were forced to get theirs elsewhere, and that accounts for it. Right. Um, I, I I do seem to remember reading about this though that um, like for instance the it takes us like the the dark side of the force's energy to turn the crystals to be a red lightsaber. It's possible. I don't remember. Ah, I guess I was just wondering if something like if it was something like that that turned the dark saber black. Um, not to my knowledge, but my knowledge of the dark saber is fairly scatty. So, also, the dark saber is shaped differently than the reg- than other lightsabers. Yeah, I it think has it's just, a more blade-like it look. It's a really old saber, if if I remember correctly. I know it's thousands ah. of years old, at least. Okay, okay. Um, one more thing I'd like to bring up about the Clone Wars before we go on to the sequel trilogy. Sure is uh, I'd like to talk about three episodes, uh, the Ghosts of Mortis trilogy. Ah, yes. Which were Overlords, Altar of Mortis, and Ghosts of Mortis. Um, And in those three episodes, you learn a lot about uh, the Force acted out through the characters of these three guys you meet on this planet, and that's the father, the son, and the sister. Right. Oh, the daughter. And, yeah, well, I seem to remember her name being sister as opposed to daughter. Okay. And yeah, maybe it was just what the father called. Ah. Um, but what what I what I liked about it um was how the 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 son acted and how the how the sister acted um being you kind of got the impression that the father was somehow in the middle of the two. Yeah, uh, yeah. So in a sense, uh, he kind of represents balance between the light and the dark. And without him present, uh, uh, things become unbalanced. Does that not? I mean, I, I tend to look at things philosophically, but does does that not say that um, there are basically three ways to? Uh, Follow the force. Um, the I, however you look at it, there is yeah, gray. I think that's very dark, likely. There is light. Yeah, yeah. So you have yeah, light, dark, and gray, basically. And yeah, I know a lot of people like tend to dismiss the idea of gray Jedi, but I've always liked them. So um, I think it's a perfectly acceptable path. 
right? That that really that was a really telling episode. If you, three three episodes there, if you haven't seen them, I definitely recommend that you should. Um, I'd like to talk about uh, the prequel uh, or the the sequel trilogy. And oh, yeah. um, I'm going to go ahead and, and I, I know you have a lot to say about this. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to go ahead and let you take the reins here and uh, I'll, I'll fill in when I can. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I don't want to kind of t make this too much of a uh, bashing sort of situation because I really don't want to do that. Um, I just feel like uh, the sequel trilogy was definitely not for me. <laughs> and I think part of it is is just, um, I don't think that they ever had a plan. And I know we've talked about this in previous podcasts, you know, how they didn't have any kind of coherent direction with it. And so much of that was because they switched directors all over the place. And had it been J.J. Abrams consistently, maybe it would have been better. But it, it just felt to me like um, even even The Force Awakens, which is the best of them by far, um, didn't really work for me because it just felt like we'd seen it before. So much of it was just like line for shot for shot, a new hope. And you can, you know, what's going to happen next. If you know the formula after a while, you settle in that. I'm like, okay, this is where Han dies. <laughs> this is where, you know, they go into the most Isley cantina. Uh, you, you, you know, if right. you know that kind of stuff, you, you know, what's going to happen. Um, yeah, there were a couple of other things. Um, I feel like with Ray, they were trying to set something up, but it, the way that it kind of worked, I, I don't know. I just never felt like I really clicked with the character. And to me, I was not into all of the theories about who her parents were. It was because I didn't care who she was and I didn't know who she was uh, as, right. a, as a personality. And so I never really connected to any of those theories because I'm not invested in the character. Um, and there was a point where I almost was. I feel like Last Jedi, for all of its flaws, and there were many, um, at least, at the very least, I thought that they were trying to do something interesting with her, even if it didn't quite land, and even if it was basically reversed in the third movie. Um, I like the idea of her having been nobody, um, and she's trying basically to find an identity uh, through her connections with the Rebellion. Um, I, I thought that that could have been really interesting, and it went nowhere because then we find out, oh, by the way, you're Palpatine's granddaughter, <laughs> you know, have a nice day. And and it's just, uh, you know, everything, it's, you're getting whiplash because there's no coherent direction to any of it. Um, there are times when I want to like it. I, I, I like John Boyega, honestly, but I just feel like Finn was wasted. Um, if he had turned out to be a Jedi like they were hinting at, that could have been interesting. Um, there's just so many wasted opportunities and missed opportunities um, with a few good moments here and there um, between them. But then you end with Rise of Skywalker, which is the most incoherent movie I've ever seen. It's just every five minutes, it's something that doesn't make sense and you're stopping trying to figure out what happened. Um, so, yeah, it, it's one of those things where there are good ideas behind it. Um, I think that we're trying to do something good with it, but in the end, the execution and the inconsistency um, just absolutely hurt the movies. Well, well, I, uh, I, uh, I, I think that the the sequel trilogy um, was it's it didn't necessarily even feel like Star Wars. Yeah, um, it felt like the same elements, but somehow a different pie. 
It sounded like it, it just sounded like it was it was very corporate, and I think that's part of the problem. It, it doesn't feel it, it has like the visual gloss of Star Wars. I mean, actually, in terms of the visuals, they're great. Um, you know, the way that you, you know you see the X wings and the Tie fighters and all the ship battles and you know all these vistas in these different worlds, they look interesting. Um, but I think it's kind of like what Martin Scorsese refers to as a theme park ride, <laughs> um, and, and not an actual like story with a heart and a soul to it, um, like it should have had and would have had it if, if Abrams, I think, had continued it. I did, I did like some things, uh, about it though. Um, mm. for yeah. instance, um, I'm, I'm, uh, I, I, I dabble a bit in quantum physics. Sure. And, uh, well, it, I liked the idea that uh, Kylo Ren and Rey uh, were connected in a way that was very similar to quantum entanglement. Oh, that is interesting. Well, uh, if they'd actually done that, it would actually it would have made sense of why uh, they're teleporting to each other in the third movie out of nowhere. Uh, because you can say that, okay, there's a quantum connection that allows them to do that. Um, they, 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 there is like a, a, shall we say, a precursor to this in terms of... Um, like establishing that kind of world building so yeah i could i could have i could have bought that somewhat but you put more thought into it than i think they did <laughs> i don't know that was the only way i could explain what they were saying i mean uh they they said first they said snoke snoke claimed to be the one who connected them yeah and then it was possible and yeah and um so that that kind of threw me a little bit but the only thing I could relate, you know how like with the prequel trilogy, they they combined the force with science, basically, to explain it a little bit more. Mm -hmm. And, and if, I they guess, had, if they had done that, I think it would have been it would have been better. At least it would have been explainable. Right. But I mean, honestly, look back at it on it now, now that you've heard that and mm -hmm. tell me there's another way to explain that. Yeah. And I would say that it goes back to Clark's law. Uh, any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. Um, the right. force is kind of the force is definitely something with a pseudo scientific basis, but explained uh, in supernatural mystic terms. Right. You know what occurred to me is uh, I think maybe I might have been wrong. Uh, the witches uh, in the Clone Wars. The witches of Dathomir. Yeah, they uh, they were able to uh, derive force like uh, I'm guessing it's because of how they uh, they did the the visuals with it mm -hmm. being that green energy. Yeah, uh, they made it seem like they were able to derive force powers in a way that worked like magic. Yeah, it could just be that that's their way of focusing it. Uh, it certainly does seem to draw on the dark side, uh, particularly when they're talking about reanimating the dead and like that. Um, you know, when you talk about the midichlorians uh, creating life, um, it's also possible that, you know, you can use those to reanimate the dead as well. Definitely. Um, uh, yeah, that... I, I guess I, I, I struggle with that one. Um, I wonder, because in my head, uh, because they use, um, what do you call, what's, what's the word I'm thinking? Uh, uh, words used to cast a spell. What is that called? Uh, chanting. Uh, 
Well, something along those lines. Because they use, because they use that uh, to get into the force, mm-hmm. uh, it makes me see. It makes it seem like um, because they're using spells. Spells are usually involved in calling upon other gods to do things for you. Sure. Um, and so that would mean that they are deriving force from calling on gods. And there is no discussion of gods in, in any of the Star Wars. Except for... Yeah. You know, it, yeah, it may not be a case where the god actually answers. It could be that this is how they're focusing the force and they're just drawing on, on the dark side. Uh, their own emotions, use, turning that into magic. Well... I, let me ask you this, um, and this kind of segues into our next uh, chat about the expanded universe. Did they cover magic in any of that? Uh, I think they did somewhat in Dawn of the Force. Um, I don't remember anything specific in in terms of what we're talking about, though. Hmm. I've always been kind of curious about that. Are 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 there are there gods? And this is something that, like, uh, an enchantment or a spell could actually derive out. Mm. Yeah, that's I mean, one of those in, in the, the very words you're using in an enchantment or in a spell is yep. to call on deities. So, yep. I mean, if the if there aren't gods, then it has to be it has to be something else that they're doing. Yeah, I mean, they could just believe that they're doing it, and maybe the force is reacting to it because of the way that they're they're using the spell. I don't know. Um, yeah, and I will say, yeah, and I will say, if you're interested in uh, Dawn of the Force and actually kind of looking at that, it was uh, recently uh, collected in an epic collection uh, by Marvel, so it is available. Right on. Um, so let's hear about the expanded universe. Uh, I mostly know the the. The stuff that's been televised or or was in the films or something. Uh, I read several of the comics, but I don't know. I don't know much about the expanded universe. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, uh, the expanded universe uh, started um, like before the prequels, um, some few years after uh, Return of the Jedi aired. I want to say it was the early '90s, something like that. Uh, George Lucas had overseen it, uh, but the first uh, person to do writing for it was Timothy Zahn, and he's widely considered by many to be one of the best uh, Star Wars writers um, ever. Uh, He was the one who created Grand Admiral Thrawn, and uh, if you have seen him in Rebels, uh, that's Zahn's character. Uh, so, you know, so his trilogy that he wrote, um, you know, the um, the Thrawn trilogy, which is Heir to the Empire, uh, The Last Command and uh, Dark Force Rising, uh, got to the last two mixed up. Um, those are basically the story of how Thrawn uh, tr- takes over um, and takes over the Imperial remnants and tries to conquer the New Republic. Um, it's actually really, really well done, and it creates a, a lot of the... Uh, characters that end up being enduring through there, um, particularly Thrawn, uh, but also uh, Mara Jade, who becomes Luke's wife. Um, She's the Emperor's hand, and she was the Emperor's assassin at one point. Um, They kind of indicate that she was one of the dancers at Jabba's palace on one of her missions um, at the time. Uh, And uh, at first she kind of hates Luke because he killed the Emperor, Um, But then eventually they are forced to work together against Thrawn, and then it gradually becomes a partnership, and then a friendship, and then they become, uh, they get married. Uh, They they get in a relationship, and then they get married. 
and um and it just hold, hold on hold on yeah I'm, I'm i'm just a little bit confused here yeah it sounds old republic uh sounds like this takes place before the prequels but no, the, the, talking about luke here it sounds like it's taking place uh even during uh the original trilogy no, um, no, the action takes place originally like about five years after Return of the Jedi. Um, it's just that there are flashbacks uh, to the past at various points uh, where oh, Mara okay. Jade, yeah. Mara Jade was one of the uh, dancers at Jabba's Palace, and that kind of establishes her motivations uh, and her history with Luke. Like she, like she had seen him then. Okay. Uh, do, we, that... do we know when did... Did, did they cover uh, the prophecy in the expanded universe? Like, who gave that prophecy about the Chosen One? Uh, not that I recall. It may have been in, like, something I didn't read. I haven't read. There are a lot of the novels I have not read. So uh, it could very well have been in one of those. But um, I, I'm not aware of that. Um, it, it seems like like a lot of the, the stories, they basically carve out a time period. Um, and then, like, you have particular writers working on this particular time period, fleshing it out. Um, and then they're kind of their own story. So I don't know that they necessarily deal with those issues unless it was like in a Clone Wars comic or, or something like that that I just don't remember. Ah, yeah, yeah. I, I always wondered where that prophecy came from. I mean, mm -hmm. uh, when when does somebody saying something make it a prophecy? Yeah, it started with Lucas. So, and, and I think a lot of the writers were having to realize, oh, okay, Lucas came up with this um for these movies so we now we have to write our way around it and try to fix it um right. they had to they actually had to to jump through some leaps at one point um because uh lucas decided that a thousand generations meant a thousand years and not like uh a twenty thousand years like it was originally like they thought it was uh, so they, right. they would have they would have to they so they kind of uh like okay we'll take what we already have and find a way to make it make sense and and they found some uh loophole around that but yeah mostly it was a lot of what i have read is just like different time periods uh some of them like long before um the uh, original trilogy and some of them like uh maybe a hundred some years after which is star wars legacy um which you should read is a really great series all right, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to check those out. They sound pretty good. Yeah, uh, and I also want to talk about uh, the Old Republic a little bit, which is like my favorite period in there. Um, okay. This is this is like some 20, 30 years, I believe, after the Great Sith War, um, where um, if you've heard about a, a, a Dark Lord called Exar Kun, um, you know he basically started a massive war. This is thirty years after that. Um, and basically what ends up happening is it all starts uh, with the Mandalorians uh, under Mandalore the Indomitable uh, trying to basically take over the Old Republic. And this is like 4,000 some more years before A New Hope. Um, and then what ends up happening is, is that uh, the Jedi have to do something and they are split about what to do with some of them, you know, wanting to assess the threat, the Council uh, Council Patience. Um, but a Jedi called Revan, who was the greatest warrior of the uh, Order at the time, uh, decided, no, we're going to go in and we're going to do something about this and we're going to fight these guys. Uh, so that, that ends up leading to a schism in, within the Order and Revan uh, wins the war. Um, he's, he's a brilliant tactical genius 
And even though the Mandalorians have an edge early on, um, Revan manages to use tactics, um, you know, and, and often very ruthless ones in order to win. Um, and he wins at this battle called Malachor V, which absolutely destroys the planet and sets the stage for Knights of the Old Republic II. Um, and then after that, um, in the aftermath of the war, we find out that this was all part of Revan's plan. And basically, he takes his followers and uses them to form a new Sith Order. And so they end up uh, going after the Old Republic in a few years. And um, basically, we don't know what happens to Revan in the middle of this because he disappears from the bridge during a battle with the Jedi. Um, quick, quick question. Is this during the time of Darth Bane? Uh, no, Darth Bane is thousands of years after that. Ah, yeah, the rule of two well, was not until later. Uh, the rule of two was like a thousand years before the old, uh, before uh, the prequels. Okay. Yeah. So the old republic is like three thousand, four thousand. No, it's four thousand years uh, before uh, the pre a new hope, I believe. Ah. That's so yeah, quite yeah, the Mandalorian the Wars and then the Jedi Civil War, which is uh, Revan versus the Jedi Order, and then. Um, you know, you kind of take over towards the end of that, uh, and then you find out what happens to Revan, and it is a brilliant twist. Um, I, I don't want to spoil it for anybody who has not played the uh, Knights of the Old Republic 1. Uh, you should go and play that. Uh, and in the second game, we find out that Revan is gone, um, and you're playing as one of the generals from the Mandalorian Wars who's come back. Uh, she or he, you get to choose. Um, was a general um, who had followed Revan and uh, was basically exiled by the Jedi Order for doing so. And so you find out um, that there is another reason why they kicked her out. And uh, all of this while the, the Sith Order is trying to wipe out the Jedi and they're, they've nearly had done it. And you have to find the old Jedi Masters uh, in that story. It, it's actually really good. The characters are excellent. The villains are really good. And all of the party members are, are really fascinating. So yeah, I would say definitely play both of them. Uh, but if you play uh, Knights of the Old Republic 2, I would suggest playing it with the um, the restored content uh, on PC because uh, otherwise you're going to miss a lot of really good stuff. Right. You know, what that makes me think as far as uh, a direction Disney should go with further movies. Mm -hmm. It's the Old Republic. I, I, I particularly like to see uh, the beginnings of the the old Sith and Jedi Wars, like how, how that got started. Oh, yeah. I mean, you, you, if you want to talk interesting Mandalorians, uh, the Mandalorians were really great in that, too. And, uh, you know, and, and, and it's all a really complicated gray kind of universe at, at that time. Uh, you have the Jedi doing some, you know, fairly uh, morally objectionable things. Uh, but at the same time, you also have very sympathetic Sith characters, um, and and you just have everybody else like trying to survive because the wars are so destructive and so catastrophic. Uh, it's it's really really a fascinating uh, backdrop, and I hope that they do uh, go back there. From what I heard, I think they could get uh, two trilogies out of telling that uh, about the Sith and Jedi War, and then the Old Republic. Yeah. Oh, they definitely could. Um, and there's also, like, uh, they were trying to do a, a Knights of the Old Republic 3, but they weren't able to, to kind of get the approval to do it. Uh, and then it kind of fell by the wayside. Um, the the MMO, the Star Wars, the Old Republic, uh, kind of takes place, like, I think, a hundred years or so after that. And 
you know, kind of deals with some of those elements, but I don't feel like we ever got a full uh, conclusion to that uh, whole era, and I would like to see somebody do it. That would be that would be pretty awesome. I mean, really, where where else are they going to go as far as Star Wars stories go from here? They have yeah. to go into the past, right? Yeah, because I mean, if you if you're going to keep the sequels, there's not a whole lot you can do. I mean, if it were something like the Legacy series, I mean, you'd have a lot of backdrop to do that. But um, I just feel like the sequels kind of drop the ball to such an extent that you really have to um, kind of wave it out of your mind, really. Um, the the really viable stuff is in in the old republic. Yeah, I I, I really want to I really want to see that. If 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 I was in charge there, that's what we would be doing next. <laughs> that 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 would be awesome. I, I know I know I know I would love to tell some stories back then. So with it being Star Wars Day, uh, I'm curious what you know. Like, there's clearly too much Star Wars to watch in 24 hours. Absolutely. Even if you start at midnight, you watch all day, you're not going to watch all the Star Wars. Right. <laughs> um, so, I mean, what are you going to watch today? Oh, I'm probably going to go and watch uh, The Siege of Mandalore uh, at the end of The Clone Wars. Uh, those those episodes with Ahsoka and Darth Maul, I really love those. Um, oh, me too. Those are awesome. Oh, yeah. I, I may end up uh, reading a little bit of Star Wars Legacy. Um, I, I, I actually really love that series uh, because not only do you get like natural progression um, from um, the original trilogy and all the expanded universe stuff, you know, you get ideas like the Imperial Knights, uh, which are uh, basically force-wielding uh, lightsaber, uh, uh, basically force users that serve the um, the Emperor of um, the basically the defend the descendant of this guy called Baron Fell, who becomes the Emperor, uh, and they're really really awesome. That does sound awesome. Mm -hmm. I, 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 that would have, that would have definitely made a difference in some of the battles, with uh, uh, there being force wielding people that the Jedi had to fight. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like, yeah, I like was... different factions. Like the more factions, the better, uh, because then you get to have them meet and affect each other. You know, you get to have uh, character development, uh, just be, be, you know, through the clashes of those oppositions, and and it's and it's excellent. I've been uh, trying to watch all the all the extra stuff, you know, like I've seen the original trilogy so many times um, that I was I was kind of taking a break from it for a couple of years uh, watching like the prequel trilogy and the, the sequel stuff and all the different shows that came out uh, like last year. I just watched the Clone Wars all day. Yeah. Uh, always a good but, time. Yeah. <laughs> I think uh, I think this year I'm going to watch the original trilogy again. It's been a while since I just sat and watched the Holy Trilogy. Yeah, I haven't in a while either. I don't know. Maybe it's just because I'm just so so I have so much of that in my head that you know I'm kind of looking at other stuff. But um, yeah, I mean you can't go wrong with that. All right, I have spoken, and uh, say with me, Steve, this is the way. <laughs> this is the way. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Omen Comics podcast. This has been Steve Sellers and Michael Nunnally here with Omen Comics. And uh, we encourage you to look into all our Omenverse titles, wherever they might be sold, including Comixology, Amazon, uh, Draw Me in Comics, and elsewhere. Uh, if you like our content, please like, subscribe, hit the magic bell for notifications. And until next time, we'll see you in the Omenverse.
I hope you've had fun hanging out with us today on ORP. I know that Steve and I have had fun making this episode. If you've had fun too, we invite you to share this episode and help us get the word out. For our Spotify listeners, we ask you to please rate our show as well. That can really help to grow our audience. But to all our listeners everywhere, we want to say thank you for listening, and we'll see you in two weeks. Hey, thanks for celebrating Star Wars Day with us. We'll see you next time on the 18th for our Mythological Foundations as readers and writers.